0: Oh, again. Day two of our brand new format on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose podcast. Here's what we had going on this fine Sunday. Catherine Tate is in the studio with me with her brilliant new BBC sitcom Queen of Oz. Lucy Boynton, a.k.a. Marie Antoinette, tells us about her new film Chevalier. Show chef Martha Collison is definitely in my good books as she makes me scotch eggs. The yolk spot on. And once again, Maria McCurlin has her postbag in the studio and is putting out two of your letters to read in Graham's Guide. So, with all of that, let's crack on. (laughs) Here she is now. You're hysterical
1: (laughs) for no apparent reason, other than it's only 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And most normal people are in bed.
0: Oh, in bed. Mind you, last night I had to open a window. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will inform the papers Graham Norton opens a window in
0: London town No, because I was going to bed and I did think, isn't that funny I haven't opened the windows at all this season <laughs> Sometimes there's been a fan in this bedroom <laughs> and uh, but, I, but I thought, I, I got into bed and I thought, oh no, I do need to open a window It's too warm And it yeah. was lovely yeah. It was lovely. lovely breeze,
1: breeze. Um, I um, went swimming yesterday
0: Of course you did Because obviously
1: that is what I do and I live by the seaside But the seaside was so busy and And I don't know when this happened, Graham. Very, very busy beach. But when did people think it was okay to play really loud drum and bass on the beach, even though they're only in a little party, when other people are around them? I think that's a tale as old as
0: time. Is it now? Yeah. But remember, well, I know people didn't have those sound systems before, but don't you remember we used to play football? You know, people were, like, having picnics and things, and then some people decided, no, we're playing football here. Yeah, I think that's a kind of beach activity, though, but... No, but it's still wildly inappropriate. Yeah,
1: I think it's the, the antisocial thing. But yesterday, also, I mean, the sea was actually very empty because... Shark? No, well, you'd think. You'd think it was Amateurville, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> because people had spotted a few jellyfish, knocking about the oh. place. So that means you know you are in Amateurville, Everyone out of the water. So I swam. I mean, yes, there were a few jellyfish, but it's like we go mad for. Oh no, we can't swim. We don't. They're not Portuguese men of war. It felt slightly like a stinging nettle.
0: Oh, so you did get some. Yeah. Oh wow.
1: But so, you know it's a stinging nettle. We live in Britain, it's not bad. But I'd
0: quite like to avoid a stinging nettle.
1: Well, yes, I didn't swim into it on <laughs> I didn't swim into it on purpose, but you just feel something sort of brush against you and then a mild sort of oh, I quite like the pain, but you know me,
0: of I'm course. a bit weird, yeah. aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Made you feel alive for a brief moment. <laughs>
1: How tragic am I? But the sea has warmed up. I mean, we've well, hence only... The, hence the jellyfish. Hence the jellyfish. We've only got to have a couple of days of really hot weather and the sea is marvellous. And it was quite, quite empty. I swam to France and back. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And of course, and underwater you can't hear the drum and bass. <laughs> Hardly. Gonna... That, was, that was the beauty part of it. My <laughs> snorkel was a little full, though, by the end, of jellyfish.
2: <laughs>
0: with a boom, 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 boom. Yes, yeah,
1: <laughs> yes. And then I watched, I don't know if you've seen it, graham the Arnold Schwarzenegger three-parter on Netflix. I like talking about Netflix. Three-parter, or, three-parter, three-parter. Yeah, or, yeah. three-parter, yeah. And he's yep. made by his own company, so, you know, you'd think it would be a sort of big glossy, and it is quite glossy. He covers over quite a lot of his...
0: It's his pony in it. His... Yes. Yes, I love that pony. Well,
1: you know, a man, an Austrian man who had such discipline and uh, to do what he did, and you know, and become governor of California, et cetera, but at seventy-five, you think now that discipline—where is it going? You know, lots of shots have hit him, still pumping iron in the dr- in the gym. But you know, Hollywood isn't calling anymore. His politics has gone, His marriage has gone, actually. And he talks about that. It's actually quite a touching three-parter. You know, a bright man. But what do you do at the end of your life? I'm asking you, and I'm looking at you as if you're
0: (laughs) near near the end of yours. (laughs) No, all I know is I like him. I he's a very nice man. Yeah, I I like him. And um, I think he
1: might have been a bit me Too-y in the past, and they do address that slightly. But yeah, yeah. Um, Past is another country. They do things differently there. The point. So, but it is my recommendation. I can't say it. Recommendation for the The nation. nation. Oh, for Sunday.
0: I watched a quite a cute thing last night. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen it? The one about the, the Pez dispenser millionaire.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's that called? It writes it down
0: immediately. It's called the Pez something. Pez King? Something like that. It probably is, yeah. Uh, oh, well, the, so, there is a character in it called the Pezident. Oh. Uh, and he's the head of. We're
1: back in merman territory, no, aren't we the, now?
0: He's the head of the Pez Empire in America. But no, it's this guy, and uh, he's a bit. I mean, let's you know, he's a bit Billy really Bonkers, but he discovers that people it's all will about pay sugar
1: in Pez. That's yeah, why.
0: But they'll—he discovers that people will pay a lot of money for rare dispensers, pe, rare Pez dispensers. So what he does, <laughs> what he does quite cleverly, is he goes to Europe, where the actual—that's where Pez started. Yeah. It's an Austrian company, I think. <laughs> Two and, Austrians in one segment today. Yeah. It's called the Pez Outlaw. The Pez Outlaw. Oh God,
1: they're good in there, aren't yeah, they? Behind God, the screen.
0: And uh, so he goes to Austria, where the factory is, mm. and they they just they sell him for fifteen cents each. All these Pez dispensers that aren't available in America, puts them in a big bag and brings them back to America and charges you know twelve hundred dollars for them and things. So he it turns it into this huge business, and the president is <laughs> obsessed by him and, and wants to stop him doing it, but it, he, there's all these loopholes in is the law. Is it a drama or a documentary? It's a documentary, but with twists and turns, okay. ladies and gentlemen.
1: I never thought I would sit in a studio with you and talk about a peasant and the dis- <laughs> the value of a pez dispenser. It's either a new low or a new high. OK. okay. Graham's guys after this. Virgin Radio. Virgin I'm going to read you quite a long problem so you can have a little bit of a rest. Oh, lovely, thank Here we are. Dear Graham and Maria, I care for my husband 24-7 and we've managed for many years with the input of various professionals. However, people who have never cared for anyone feel that they know better than me and suggest this and that. Things like, he needs to go into home for respite care for you. Why? He's not senile. He has an active mind and... We can make our own decisions. Another is, you should get out every day, which I sort of agree with, but sometimes I get really tired and just need to sit and chill. And when people want to set a certain day and time for coffee, that's all great, but it really depends on how he is that day. I feel as if I'm whinging. If I try to explain that our life isn't like that, I do have carers in the morning to get him up every day and we're buying a wheelchair accessible vehicle so we can go out for a couple of days, I'm on top of the situation really. I've been given suggestions for holidays, for wheelchair accessible lodges, but we need more than that. We also need a hospital bed, which we know will not be available. But I'm made to feel as if I'm being uncooperative. None of these people know what we go through every day, even our children. My daughter turns up, would you like to go for a walk? No, I'm not dressed yet. Son asks, do you do his personal care? Well, who else does it? I've always loved listening to you you both with your advice. I have a gardener, someone to come in and clean, so I only have to keep tidy. I can't go to any clubs, and there are so many locally, but until you're a carer, you don't know what happens. My life is on hold. I do have lovely friends who support me, but these others, including my children, are really upsetting me. I have the support of the local council and carers group, but I need laughs and chats, etc. What should I do? And that is from Marjorie in... In Norfolk. Oh, Marjorie, in Norfolk, you have made your position clear. First off, Graham, a massive shout out to all the carers yeah. out there because you all do amazing jobs and it does make you crazy. And Marjorie, your tangible anger in your letter is very clear. And I understand that because it is upsetting, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not getting upset, I've just got a frog in my throat, <coughs> upsetting that you are in this position that you're in with your husband, because none of us plan for this, none of us expect this, we expect to be able to go on together, able-bodied, able-minded, etc. I would say it's great that your husband, you can still chat to him, you know, a lot of people are in other positions, I'm not saying every somebody has it worse off than you, but you are cross with life, and I think you've got into the habit of rejecting suggestions because you're quite cross and nobody understands how hard your life is. So you are allowed to be sad that this is what your life has become. I mean, it's great your husband has an active mind and I think people will stop offering suggestions if you keep batting them away. Um, instead, tell, us, tell them what you've just told us. And I would suggest to you, you want to have... Chats and laughs, etc. And probably so does your husband. So, when people say things like, What can we do? I would say, What you can do is you can make a lovely casserole or, you know, make a pie and some chips or whatever. And you can come over for a couple of hours and we'll have dinner and your husband can get stimulation, which is incredibly important that you both get this and you can get stimulation. And then because you're in this position, you can say, I think, that's enough now. I think, you know, a couple of hours is fine. The f- food was delicious. You've broken bread with friends. You have given yourself an illusion of having a, an ordinary, normal life, for want of a better word, without anybody questioning or offering advice. Because that's what you want. You want your life back. And that's going to be hard to do. I don't know what you think, Graham.
0: Well, I just think, you know, that thing you said, Marjorie feels no one understands. Nobody does understand because... Until you're in it. it. Until you're in it. And it's that thing. I just think it's what's so incredible about what people like Marjorie do is the endless nature of it, mm. that you get through the day and you've- Then there's another and one. And you've battled away all the crises and, oh, we nearly had a fall there, or did this, uh, something, you know, something in blood went down or up, da, da, da. And then tomorrow, all again. And the day after that... And I think that's where the frustration must come from.
1: Yes, where... It sounds really like, Marjorie, you're on top of it and well done for all of that. Yeah, no. And so you're getting cross with the people that are offering suggestions when it feels to me, Marjorie, like you're clinging on by your fingertips. And so I think... All your children and the people offering help, then recognising that, that you're clinging by your fingertips. So think through the things you can do. And I think having people around for a couple of hours and bringing a pie so you don't have to make dinner, maybe have a little glass of wine or something. It makes you feel normal again, makes you yeah. feel like you're still in the world and your husband,
0: too. And also that thing of, you know, you say getting out every day, you know, that is important. It is important. And maybe you feel like you can't leave him, things like that. I would say online is a really good resource. You know, there are kind of, particularly now because of Zoom and things, mm. there are kind of online book groups and book clubs, there are online all sorts of things. So that might be a way to to get Marjorie, without physically leaving the house, yes. to get her out of the situation and distract herself from... because. It, this is all day, every day. Yeah. So I think the trouble is, it's very hard to switch your mind off this. You, you know, you when you say you care for your husband 24-7, it is... 24-7. Because
1: you've got to be aware if he needs you when he's asleep, yeah. etc. And there's
0: no, I, you know, I can't think of another job like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess when, you, when you've when you got a baby, when you've got a, a mm-hmm. newborn or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I... The thing I, about
1: a baby is at least you know that they will grow and they yes. will need you less. Yeah. Whereas actually the situation that a lot of carers find themselves in, which is, is, I think, you're you're allowed to be sad and depressed, is the fact that this is not going to get better. Yeah. So I think Graham is right online, but I also think you need chats, you need Facebook face-to-face stuff going on. You need to feel like you and your husband did 20 years ago Yeah. Uh, and you can tell people that's enough now thank you very much come over at 7 and leave by half 8 or yeah. something like
0: that I mean it's a huge issue I'd love to hear from people who are on, it, who are or have been in this situation and my favourite responders today will be getting <gasps> a beautiful tub of number one coconut and lime ice cream <gasps> tell me more Graham an indulgent and rich ice cream made with West Country cream coconut and a squeeze of lime <sighs> Lovely. Perfect for the day that's in it. Theresa Torquay says, You're doing a wonderful job, Marjorie. Sometimes, as carers, we don't realise we need a break, but friends and family looking in are perhaps worried that you will burn out and become unwell. Maybe they're suggesting help for this reason. And that is the thing, Marjorie. None of these people are trying to annoy you. They are annoying you, but they're trying to be helpful. And I guess it's very hard to remember that (laughs) as they're just getting on your last nerve. Uh, Jane is in Burnham. When I was being a carer, I eventually got help and support through the local authority. They really do understand, but have boundaries, which means there are no expectations which are unmet. Although I lost my relatives six months later, it made a difference in that short time. I'd also reiterate the importance of communication. People won't know how you feel unless you tell them. Vulnerability is a strength. That That is key right there. Vulnerability is a strength. Uh, yes, don't be afraid to ask for help, Marjorie, because it sounds like you're making such a kind of virtue of, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And actually maybe just say, I would like some help. Iggy in Northampton. Please do think about trying clubs as meeting people with a similar condition to your husband gives him a chance to socialise and befriend people he can relate to. And with other carers there, it really gives you the chance to connect with people that do understand and have real empathy with you and your situation. Some will be helpful, some not. But all of it from a point of knowledge and your experience and knowledge will be welcome to share too. Thank you, Iggy. Uh, Dawn in voice, can she not ask for weekly temporary respite care for her husband so that she can have some valuable her time to do something, anything for herself that doesn't include caring for her husband? Maybe she could look into online courses, in-person classes, joining pre-existing groups or just go for a wander around the shops. Anything to give her some much-needed breathing space. I know. I've been there myself. I've been my husband's carer for the last 25 years, which coincided with having two children and looking after all three of them at the same time. Good luck and go, Marjorie. Uh, Well, you know what, Dawn? Um, It seems a tiny thing to give you, but uh, there was some coconut and lime ice cream on its way to you. Thanks for all your advice to Marjorie. And Marjorie, if you're listening, um, good luck, stay strong. And I love that phrase, vulnerability is a strength. So, you know, ask for help and it's there. It is there if, if you need it.
1: Guide. Right, problem number two, a little bit shorter. OK. Um, dear Graham and Maria, I've been together with my partner for just shy of a decade. We live together, planning a family and we're getting married in the next few years. I love her dearly. The only problem is, it's her 30th birthday soon and I'm totally rubbish at presents. I've got it so wrong the past few years and she's been very kind, but she does love her birthday and her family always make a huge occasion out of it. Her siblings haven't ever really provided me with very much clarity after I've desperately hounded them for advice in the past, saying, yeah, that's fine, to everything I suggest. She's a very caring person. She's a secondary school teacher, absolutely loved by her pupils, and she's been big into her films and 80s music. I so want to get this right. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. That is from Johnny in Bister. Now, Johnny in Bister, you have been together for just shy of a decade. I'm guessing you know quite a lot about your partner, that (laughs) Graham... <laughs> Doesn't and I don't. I mean, wh-
0: yeah, when buy we- her a secondary school. <laughs> well, <laughs> she likes them.
1: <laughs> it's it's you know we get how much you love her etc etc. But look, the thing is, it's when you've been together for ten years. What are you going to do? You know, Tiffany Diamond, all of that. None of this cuts really anymore. What does is some it's not about money it's about thoughtfulness and I'm guessing that there's not much of that coming from Johnny Bista. well he's
0: bothered to write to us well I know Which does seem like clutching at straws really I mean the situation must be quite go- dire and
1: he knows he's going to get a hard time on a Sunday with a letter like this well, no, So I, I reserve this slot for people who are annoying
0: <laughs> so no, wait, I just feel like she's 30 so that's three decades so you could do something I don't know something about the- 30 or, or 80. What? What's, what's her favourite film? What's her favourite film? Then buy her a poster of that film or something. Or... Yeah,
1: no. Actually, I thought, but I don't think you can do this these days. I thought, make a video of all the people in her class. Um, but I don't think you can do that because of no, child protection yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. Okay, so I won't go on with <laughs> no, that then. Don't. I just wanted them to and say... And then, well, then
0: Johnny was in jail. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy birthday. I think that's the best place for him, frankly. No, I'm joking, Johnny. But it would be nice if the children could do a painting, maybe, of Miss and, the th- and write down on the painting. Wait, let me go finish the things they like about Miss. I don't know how he manifests this.
0: Maybe one of her friends. I, I'm just seeing the expression on her face when she opens a gift and finds some scrawl. <laughs> she may. Oh yes,
1: secondary yeah. school. Yeah, yes. she's a secondary school teacher. You could have them all framed. <laughs> Ikea do some lovely frames and pop put them all around all your photos. Buy her a holiday. Well, look, or you know, dress up as and get an outfit for her as a, one of her favorite films Johnny, from the. You Hated. know those terrible ideas
0: you had. They're better than yeah, this. They're better than
1: this. Well, I don't know why somebody writes to us and says I've been with someone forever. Buy a holiday. Buy her a holiday.
0: Yeah, take her away for the weekend. Oh, more! A fortnight. She's thirty. They're getting married soon. They can't afford it. We'll make this a pre-honeymoon, a moon. <laughs> Stop it, Mr. President. Is that a new thing? A honeymoon.
1: <laughs> a honeymoon. <punny> <laughs> what are you calling it? Prunny. A prunny. Oh, that sounds rude. It's a pre-honeymoon. Yeah, that just sounds a prunny rude. Moon. Johnny, I'm sorry. Just, you know, get an imagination. Be creative. Your family clearly, or her family, clearly have no idea where they just say, yeah, that's fine, to everything you suggest. If you want to do something special, ask
0: her. Or buy her tickets to some... 80s band that's still knocking around that isn't too two. to Google <laughs> <laughs> Le- yeah buy her a Lamal wig she'll love that Johnny it
1: can't go wrong and one for yourself too while you're about it Johnny <laughs> hooray we finished that I'm just going to screw that one up I think we've done I, our best work another <laughs>
0: satisfied customer <laughs> <laughs> and I think look she's I, so if you're if you're thinking oh I'm good at presents the headlines are uh, she's a teacher and she's big films big into films and 80s music and she's going out with Johnny from Bi- Bicester Bicester Bicester, Bicester. Bicester. Oh, as, in, as in Bicester village out, yeah. uh, Bicester yeah, yeah. Uh, Bicester,
1: Bicester who are you an American well I'm from UK Edinburgh
0: <laughs> I got to London and I stayed here. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You yeah. did. Yeah. I, other people live other places. Wow. Maria's really cleaning house. She's <laughs> out of here. Dev responses, part two. And my favorite responder will be getting a tub of number one coconut and lime ice cream, courtesy of Waitrose. <gasps> Thanks, Waitrose. Marty in Edwalton. I think you should buy her something she can love and keep. <gasps> Is it a puppy? Uh, you, you can look up who was number one in the charts when she was born by the single and then turn it into a memento like a clock okay then it can hang in pride of place and be a wonderful reminder okay yes uh, having been married for 36 years I always listen to my wife through the year and mentally note the things she sees in shops and says she loves. Oh, David, you're good. This is David from Newport. That way, I have a list of potential presents for birthdays and Christmas. I would take her to an 80s revival concert. And David knows. David is good at this. He makes notes when his wife says she likes things during the year. So, I, I mean, I, did I mention I think I mentioned going to a concert. Yeah. Experiential. That's, that's the way gifts are going. Felicity's in South Wales. Have you considered an outdoor cinema showing? Mm. All right. <laughs> She's 30. <laughs> Taking to see a film. <laughs> You're 30. They often show eighties classics. You could take a picnic, dress up, and book a hotel to make the night of it. Okay, you've cheered it up, Felicity, with the hotel. I think I'm still thinking. I'm not. I'm thirty. Find out a favorite film and book a private screening at a local cinema for her and some friends. Have some wine and food with it. Where does Johnny live? Bister. Maybe. Uh, That is a good idea, though. That's a good. That's a smart idea. Um, And then you're involving other people as well. It's taking the. Pressure off. So good, good. Um, who will I give the ice cream to? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the ice cream to K in Glasgow because that, that, that is actually a good idea. Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, the ice cream will go to K in Glasgow. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose food to feel good about.
1: Virgin Radio. Oh,
0: fireworks! Sorry. That's Catherine Tate gasping. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, I, we <will>, will...
3: <laughs> We'll, we'll get back to that.
0: Yeah, we'll do, We'll get back to that. We will get back to that.
3: Uh, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Well,
0: you should be very well, because I was saying to the listeners earlier, <laughs> you've done a very difficult thing. You've made a properly funny. Because sometimes sitcoms grow into themselves. Yeah. But this is straight off the bat funny. Good. Uh, so tell us about Queen of Oz. Who do you play? What's the premise?
3: The premise is an entirely fictitious... <laughs> an entirely fictitious... World of a British royal family has an errant princess royal spare who is causing a lot of problems in the press.
0: I like the way you're morphing into her. As (laughs) as you do it, you're starting to to be her.
3: (laughs) She's causing a lot of problems in the press. She's called Princess Georgiana. And she's always kind of been vilified in the press because she's a bit of a party girl. And in the end, she does something beyond the pale and the... The palace and the people, you know, up top decide to ship her off to Australia and make her their queen instead. Let her be their problem. And it's so she gets. Crowned as the Queen of Australia, and she doesn't want to go, and they don't want her. So, <laughs> um,
0: and it's you've you filmed the whole thing in Australia, yeah, we did. So, yeah. is it a co production with some Australian? It is, yes, yeah, some, some, some Australian, some Australian gang, some
3: production somewhere, yeah. some Australian. Yes, it's a co production with a company called Lingo, not Dingo Lingo.
0: <laughs> a lingo, uh, and because a lot of the humour is you know, it's quite you know, you, you're laughing at Australia as yes. well as well so it, it, do Australians like that humour
3: I don't know we'll find out <laughs> won't <will> we <laughs> I think they will because also there's a lot of laughing at her do you know what I mean she's she's clearly a you know a, a, a character for you know for people to you we are inviting people to laugh at her so I feel it's a it's an equal opportunities um you know, offensive program. Yes, yes, it <laughs> it's exactly. for us and them. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly
0: so the Australian Prime Minister comes out of it very well.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And she and she's brilliant. And she and, and I guess really there's a there's a there's a there's a part of this show that if you just took those two women, both you know, having very different there's the female um, Prime Minister of Australia and the female Queen of Australia who both take their roles very, very differently. You know, very, very <laughs> differently. Whereas, um, you know, the the Republican, it has to be said, Prime Minister is, is you know, is, is very much a by the book kind of, you know, woman of the establishment. And Georgie, George, Princess Georgiana, Queen Georgie, is um, really just wondering when the next cocktail hour is. You know, <laughs> so.
0: And to play, because so you co-wrote, now, if i if watched, if I'd read the credits property, I don't, don't know.
3: Who did you co-write co- it with? I wrote it with Jeff Gutheim, an American writer. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. American slash British slash Australian.
0: Oh my goodness. Who do we think we are? <laughs> Global. Global, innit? Um, so, what's it like for you play because you know we're so used to you in that sketch format yeah. and even the, the last long format thing the pr- with multiple the characters with yeah, multiple characters so what's it like kind of being it, it, do you find do you kind of think when do I change into another wig Or I
3: don't I literally go well, this is much not, this is easier isn't it <laughs> it's quite easier to look like me Um but it's um, yeah, you're right. It is a it is a different thing. It's a long form um, format. You know, it's it's one character, single uh, you know, single camera, different different kind of thing. But what I do think it has, which um, you kind of get from the sketch show, is sketch shows are quick. You know what I mean? And this pace is along as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah. got the pace of it's not. It's, it, I mean, it's absolutely not a sketch show. It's it's, it's a completely but it's got all jokes
0: th- like it's got yes, it's, not, it's got that number of jokes.
3: Hundred percent. We wanted the funny rate to be high and I think I think you I think you do you don't you you know it's it's what we would call if I'm I don't even know if I could say this can I probably not actually I can't even call it what I'll do is I'll tell you off air what I think okay and you can tell me if I'm Have allowed you, to say it
0: because I'm one of those people been... I, I don't know if you're the same but I watch things going mm, that's funny yeah that's mm, funny yeah, yeah. That. but this it did actually make me laugh that oh bad. that's good yeah, yeah it's
3: yeah it's it's you know you it's look it's nice to do comedy that makes people think i think it's better to do comedy that makes people laugh
0: <laughs> have you have you done screenings yet have you seen it with an audience we
3: did it well we did a very well we did a press screening can you imagine oh. <laughs> and actually they were very very it was me in the back going that's your cue to laugh no it wasn't they were very very nice um but it's you know it's It it is, TV comedy is different and it's not, it's, you know, and because I'm very used to doing live stuff, which is what you get with a sketch show, because we we record the sketch show in front of, and, and Nan and all stuff like that, we do it in front of a live studio audience. Obviously, you don't get any of that. You've just got to hope. That the the audience at home are laughing, you know.
0: But also things like in this, you've got scenes with lots of extras. Yes. You know, in, yes. the, in the first episode, there's kind of big formations. Yes. Thing. I, it, there must be a bit of captured tape. Yeah. They're thinking, well, smirk at least. At Come least on. Pre- yeah. At least well, pretend like, you can't stop yourself laughing. Exactly.
3: <laughs> well, I tend to before we start rolling, I tend to do a tight twenty. You know, get people in the mood. <laughs> Where are you from? Where are you from? Australia. All oh, right. Where are you from? Australia. Okay. <laughs> Uh, And so tell me
0: about the the genesis of this thing, because it came, was it pitched? you was a film idea?
3: No, it wasn't a film idea. It was, but it was not my idea. It wasn't mine or, uh, it wasn't mine or Jeff Guthheim's idea who wrote, who wrote it with me. He, uh, no, sorry, not he, uh, a producer from Canada emailed me about four years ago and said, I really like your work. I've got this idea that I think you'd be great for. Um, are you? Here's, here's here's a request. Are you ever in Toronto? <laughs> if you're ever in Toronto, I'd love to. I'd love to meet you. Bizarrely, in about a month's time from re- receiving that email, I was going to Toronto. How- it was meant to be. No, really, that's yes, a bit. Yes, swear to that, God. Yeah. And so I met him in 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 a yeah we met and he. pitched me this need We don't need to, where, we don't need we to don't know where. Don't need to know where. Thank you
0: for the details.
3: <laughs> I was about to say. Why am I saying that?
0: <laughs> I had a vodka soda. We met in this
3: hotel. Um, <laughs> it, was it, was like, it, was it was just snacks. It was just snacks. <laughs>
0: The little sharing
3: plates, <laughs> well, the little it was. sharing plates, charcuterie, charcuterie. But I'm plant based, um, so it was all a bit awkward at the beginning. Um, so, and he said, "Look, I've got this. I've got this idea." And he said, "It's about a member of the Royal British Royal Family, fictitious. Everyone, fictitious Royal Family, who gets shipped off to at the time Canada because ah, he's Canadian, of course." And I said, "I think it's a really great idea because the way we were." Oh, the way i was hearing it in my head was sort of like a a, a cross between um the crown and veep do you know what i yeah, mean yeah, That's, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was the kind of thing in my head that it's got that fast-paced thing but the setting is 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 is, is something different you know it's is you know it goes against all the jokes anyway cut a long story short we pitched it to canada and all they said to us was we we take a long time to say yes Four years down the line, I've still not heard. And in the meantime... (laughs) Do you you think think we are going? (laughs) Should I get my visa renewed? And in the meantime, I said, do you know what? I reckon we might be better off making this Queen of Oz. And the the title was great. And I said, and I oh, absolutely knew I had a fan base in Australia because I'd just come back from touring. And previously to that, that was in about 2019. I had no idea any, anyone in Australia knew me. You know, they love all the, the like, the British comedians. It's crazy. I mean, they... And I'm yes. sure the Irish as well. No, no, no. They love you. <laughs> and... Um, I, I had no idea I would have thought of ideas to work in Australia years ago if I'd have known there been a reason to go, and it was a very easy it was then a very easy pitch, and BBC went yeah, and wasn't an easy write if you know but did it kind of write itself it or- did i I also love writing and I love writing um i obviously I love writing comedy, and it was just um I knew we we knew we wanted to make it very fast and very Kind of language based, even though the premise is quite big, it's it's quite easy. And once you you get into it, you're off and running. It's someone who's been. It's it's basically a fish out of water story. Yeah. You know, it's it, and it's kind of almost like it's a romantic comedy with with the country in that classic way. The country doesn't like her when she arrives. She doesn't like the country, but at some point she's going to have to see its good side. And there and 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 the country there. Is,
0: is there a journey?
3: Oh, darling, there's what we
0: call an arc. <laughs> Where, uh, where's a pen? I, would, yes, I, it's, it's
3: like yes, it's like that. It's like a sea on its head.
0: <laughs> there's six in this initial uh, yes. run. Uh, 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 do you have ideas for more?
3: Oh, always. Yeah. Love it, yes. Yeah. And it ends on a big old cliffhanger, so... Say My what God, now? Say what? Sorry, Sirius Ark. Sirius cliffhanger. <laughs> cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Mister and Missus Hanger and their son Cliff. Yes, please.
0: I, I can't keep up. <laughs> I'm talking to an actual writer. Uh, Queen of Oz. Queen of Oz. It kicks off next Friday night, BBC One. Uh, Check it out. And also what I was saying to you off air, it it hooks you immediately. Oh,
3: good. If you don't
0: find it funny immediately, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? (laughs) You're dead inside. (laughs)
3: Putting that on the DVD cover. (laughs) Do they do DVDs anymore? Probably not. No. no, I'll put it on a T-shirt then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we were talking about. Eurovision. Eurovision had a whole section about trying to flog DVDs, and you go, "Who's going to tell (laughs) them? (laughs) Who's (laughs) going to tell (laughs) them? (laughs) Nobody (laughs) buys DVDs." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Queen of Oz Friday night 9.30 30. BBC One uh, Thank you so much for coming to see thank us Thank you very much Cheers, cheers, cheers uh, Good luck with it all Thank and you I'm, I'm already looking forward to Series thank 2 Thank you, thank the you The Graham Norton Radio Show With Waitrose Food to feel good about Virgin Radio Time to meet my second guest of the day She stars as Marie Antoinette in Chevalier a brand new film It is Oh it's in now
2: Mm
0: -hmm. i was going to say it's coming up no it's in cinemas now quick plan have some lunch and go Uh, her name is lucy boynton hello hello how are you
2: i'm very well thank you so much for having me Uh,
0: so this film it's one of those weird things where sometimes Extraordinary stories just fall through the cracks of history, and this is one of them. Uh, Just talk to us in general about uh, Chevalier before we get on to Marie Antoinette.
2: Right. Um, So Chevalier follows Joseph Bologna, who was the son of a slave owner and a slave, and whose father saw potential in him and made the very rare move to... Submit him to this very prestigious school where he started learning the violin and then grew to the light, to the kind of accolade of being a contemporary slash superior potentially of Mozart.
0: Well, was it? He was before Mozart in reality, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. and
2: I mean, yeah, and kind of, and Mozart has been influenced, we'll say, by him. Um, but he's a really incredible human being. He was. He, excellent in anything everything he pursued and he was the kind of example figure for composing fencing violin all of it so it is such a loss that we've missed out on his story and so this is the kind of first iteration of trying to educate ourselves on him because there's so much so much more
0: And he arrived sort of at the end of empire, just kind of Mm -hmm. leading into the the French Revolution. Did he get lost in the revolution? How did he go missing in terms of history?
2: Not so much an accident as deliberate. Napoleon reinstated slavery. Joseph Filoni as a black man. And so loads of his, if the majority of his work was erased, um, was burned. Um, And so this is a kind of reclaiming of that and trying to uh, re-familiarise ourselves with that story.
0: And I suppose a lot of the characters Like him aren't so known You know there's not mm. much about them You presumably had the bulk of homework to do Because oh, yeah. oh there's a lot about Marie Antoinette <laughs>
2: There is There's a great wealth of information on her <laughs>
0: And are you one of those people Oh it's all in the script Or do you, do you go deep diving
2: You kind of do both You go deep diving Because there's so much to read about her And so I mean there's so m- We have such a strong preconceived idea about her You know based mostly on this quote that she actually didn't say that was actually coined by someone four years prior to her being born um so I was trying to throw away all the preconceived ideas I had about her and start from scratch and also because this film is such a specific iteration of her initially I I wanted to undo the idea of her being a villain in history unfortunately this film is her at her most villainous in fact (laughs) and yeah it's kind of she's pretty horrifying in this film she starts off as a goodie she does. She starts off in the kind of... I mean, we forget how young she was when she became queen. She was 14 when she entered the French court. Uh,
0: like we forget. I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: neither did I, actually. One forgets. No, one didn't. know. Um, she was only 14. She was young. So at the beginning of this film, she's like 17, 18. And what, therefore- were she, was
0: she married to... Uh, Louis at Louis. fourteen. At fourteen, well, yeah. different times, different, different times. times. Um, and um, so she's eighteen at the start of yeah. this. Wow.
2: And so she's this kind of young, fizzy, excited, rebellious, um, young thing, and then and sees Joseph play, and is, I mean, it's so inspired by him and thrilled by his excellence, but also just wants to be seen near him and around him because to be associated with that yeah. level of kind of quality and talent. And is um, it
0: historically accurate that she was the one who made him a yeah, chevalier? Who
2: made him chevalier?
0: Which is a, a Sort of like a, a kind of type. knighthood, yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, and did it in a in that in itself was a quite a rebellion at the time. So did it as a kind of hmm, yeah. to the court. And
0: what watching that there's a weird thing about this film where it is a period drama and mm-hmm. you're all wearing the right clothes and it's the music's the music and you're saying the words, but it has a kind of strangely contemporary thing. Totally. Was that something you talked about or was that something you when you watched it you kind of went oh he did that?
2: That was very re- pre- present in the script right from the beginning and I think it is because of the youth of those characters and Stephanie Robinson our, our writer really sat lets the audience sit in that. You're very much in the period but you're living with these very these young people acting in very kind of grand and spontaneous ways and so it does feel there's like a colloquialism to it there's such a contemporaneous to it and also just Joseph's character he was like a rock star of his era and Prince was a reference for Kelvin and um, Stephen Williams our director so you can't help but have that kind of electric referential feel to it.
0: Wow, and do you don't know the story about like how did Stephen Williams find this story, or did was it was it...
2: actually Stephanie Robinson, the writer She oh. found the story I think when she was like sixteen she started she heard about Joseph and started educating herself on him and it was her passion since then to write the first kind of script about him, the first story about him she thought he was such a magnetic, incredible person, which obviously he is um, and how
0: much of the music in the film is his?
2: music? I think uh, the composer collaborated, kind of was inspired by his music, so pulls from it and then kind of went on, I don't know the music terminology, I'm just gesticulating yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> went on and no, it. I feel bad because, you know, you're,
0: you're playing around with it as well, but I, suddenly I want you to be a world expert on this. I know, this. <laughs> yeah. my palms yeah. are sweating yeah. Yeah. like Your time that. starts <clears throat> now, your chosen mm-hmm. subject is. And When you get a script like this, do you kind of think, oh, I've got to say yes to that, or do you kind of think, well, now, I just wore a big dress and a corset, so I'm not going to do that for a little bit, or oh, no. do you think like that?
2: I'm, like, bringing it on bring on the corsets and the giant dresses okay. i love a period piece I oh love it. really yes oh. i just did another film that is contemporary and i recognize myself more in, adorned in like the corsetry or like it just in a different era than i do contemporary i don't I, I don't i don't know it just i think it's so much more exciting and satisfying to be completely extracted from your own experience in your life and there's there are so few jobs that allow you to kind of time travel in that way
0: And is it easier, do you think, if everything's helping you act, if you know what I mean?
2: Totally. See, that's probably it. It's much easier. But uh, yeah, and, and you're completely enveloped in that world. So like on Chevalier, Karen Murphy, our production designer, the scale of the sets that she would create and... The vividness of them. So like every giant bouquet of flowers that you see in this film is real. So you get the fragrance of that. Also, every giant table of oysters and fish heads is real. So it was a... Mixed fragrance in that one, <laughs> but it just you, yeah, you can get lost in it, and and the costumes as well. They completely change the way you hold yourself, and can move, and breathe, and speak even. So so it's completely immersive.
0: And so there's that. There's the choosing kind of the period or contemporary. Mm. But also now there's such kind of. Um, the the way actors were able to move seamlessly between film and television. And also for British actors, like America seems much more accessible. Was that like, since you started, was America always an option?
2: Not so much. I think the Skype Zoom world has made it so much more accessible and the way that the industry is kind of changing where it's so much more frequently that you can do a self-tape, you can tape your own self-tape rather than going in for an audition. I do think that has opened the doors for actors not to have to travel because if you couldn't be there then you were missing out on a lot of work. Whereas now I think it's opened up much more.
0: So before all of that, did you do the travelling? Did you go for I'm here for I pilot never, I season? I didn't and... do
2: the pilot season thing, no. Is I that was still a little, thing? I was this a little is the, actor. This
0: is this idea when people go to LA and just sit there and hope to get a, a TV I show. I think it
2: is, yeah. Pilot season. I. Uh, the landscape is changing so much now that we don't you don't really do pilots so much. Something is you know, straight to streaming, so straight to series, I think. Yeah. Again, I'm trying to sound like an expert on these things. Well, no, because I just... well,
0: no, I'm just, two of the big things you did in America were Netflix yeah. so did the politician.
2: So that yeah was without a pilot that's straight to series and you know exactly the arc of the episodes and you also have in mind you know Ryan Murphy always has in mind the kind of trajectory of a of a series and then ten more Um. but so had the full idea for two full seasons of that
0: And did Ryan Murphy know you or did you do the zoomy thing and kind of go.
2: That was a self tape yeah so I think he saw Bohemian and then and I self taped for the politician so yeah I actually recently I was looking at my you <laughs> Um, self-tapes for things and just I auditioned for Marie Antoinette in like a tracksuit top which is so <laughs> I don't know s- stupid question mark slash but then what the, would you wear it's so oh, I mean totally. it, would look, it would
0: look ridiculous you if you tried to kind of you know
2: well this is the thing and yeah. actually the first time I met Stephen Williams our director on this I was filming for Why Didn't They Ask Evans this Hugh Laurie adaptation of an Agatha Christie and I had to do it straight after work and we get we kept pushing later and later so I was like fine I'll just do it in my trailer after work. It finally got to 10 minutes before this meeting and we wrapped, I raced back to my trailer five minutes before the meeting and I realize I am stitched into my costume from head to toe. My hat is pinned to my hair, my costume, my buttons are sewn shut. And so and I'd prepared all of these you know points of conversation with Stephen. I really wanted this role this the conversation around this film is fascinating and he enters the meeting and I'm in, sat there in a 1930s trilby um, with all of this adornment and it's not far enough of a costume that it's clearly a costume and it's extravagant it just looks like I'm a really odd enthusiast
0: wow so, she, yeah she's really picked a look
2: yeah she's really going for something here yeah
0: we're loving it we're loving yeah. it uh, well, Well, you can see Lucy Boynton and all her Marie Antoinette's finery in Chevalier. It's a beautiful looking film, but a fascinating story. Mm. And so, I don't know, it just made so much more extraordinary because it's it's true, this This yeah. happened,
2: and Kelvin Harrison Jr., who plays Joseph, is just offensively talented. He, he is, is a
0: star, totally
2: he? magnetic. Yeah, Yeah, he's extraordinary.
0: Is he already? Because that was twenty-one. So has, has he gone on to do loads and other oh, things? Oh yeah,
2: he was doing this press tour with blue hair because he's doing this other film at the moment that's like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, and he's he's busy.
0: Yeah, post-apocalyptic. That's what hair color. Yeah hair dye We're all about it Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come the apocalypse That's what exactly. I'm doing Exactly <laughs> Thank you so much For coming in to see us Lucy Bunch and Chevaliers in cinemas now After those fabulous guests I am absolutely starving Here to save the day Is show chef Martha Collison. Martha what have you Made us today
4: Today I have made uh, The best scotch eggs Oh
0: <sighs> How many years have I been waiting for you to make a Scotch egg? <laughs> uh, so the best Scotch eggs. How many recipes are there for Scotch eggs?
4: There's a lot of variations. It's more on the flavour variations that I think make up the, the best of the worst Scotch egg. But Scotch eggs are one of those things that they vary so incredibly from the ones you can buy in a corner shop. Yes. <laughs> that are like a hard boiled egg with a slightly grey outside. And Well, even in the supermarket, not... there's, the,
0: there's the ones that on the, on the deli counter... And then there's the ones in a thing. Yeah,
4: there's a spectrum of Scotch egging.
0: Do you remember when uh, pubs started to reopen after lockdowns? Like, what constituted a meal?
4: Oh, yeah.
0: I am looking at your Scotch eggs. There is no denying they are a (laughs) meal. That's
4: a meal. (laughs) I mean, they
0: are are huge. They are. Are they ostrich eggs? They are big boys.
4: (laughs) I think... They're, even, they're just a medium egg as well. It's not even a large egg.
0: Wow. But just
4: all of the different layers. And you want enough. You want the ratio to be good. You don't want a measly little amount of the sausage to go with the egg. And I've tried to get you that runny yolk because I, in the supermarket, that grey, yeah, not. Or even if you just overboil your eggs and then they sit in I the egg. But I it's think oath. it's a mystery. I like
0: the runny egg. But I never trust it. Really, i not Waitrose. <laughs> it's messy.
4: You're wearing a white shirt. Not,
0: no, not, not Waitrose. Another supermarket. I remember got they had Scotch eggs that you bought off the camp that had runny yolks, and I thought, like, how have you? Like, what have you injected into uh, that to make what's, it? Yeah. What's
4: been put in there? No, they are a little bit explosive. I've cut you one in half already because I feel like your oh, shirt needs to remain clean you. and crisp. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I'd like to, I'd like to continue wearing it for the rest of the day, and, and because. I, you know, when I eat a Scotch egg, I love a Scotch egg, but I always I do genuinely think as I eat them, how on earth do you make these? I mean, are they that hard?
4: There's a couple of steps. There's a couple of steps, but they are just worlds away. I made my first ever Scotch eggs about eight years ago and I took them along to like a church picnic and people still come up to me and they say, <laughs> "Remember, I remember those Scotch eggs you made eight years ago And they're just memorable when someone's made them from scratch and they've got a warm yolk. It's, they're just a perfect picnic food.
0: You don't happen to know anything about this. I'm throwing this at you. I'm oh, just already? say I just say, no, Graham, shut up. Brother. <laughs> but you don't, like, where do they come from? I mean, obviously they're called Scotch eggs. So they're from Scotland.
4: I did have a little look. They're not from Scotland. They're from England. Okay. But they're, the the name Scotch has a lot of different variations. Some say it was Scotch. So they used to do it in a pan, like a Scotch pancake. Okay. But apparently the original ones used to have fish paste around the outside. But I feel I'm happy that we've moved on. (laughs) We've moved on to sausage meat. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that was then. This is now. This is now. Uh, All right, look, I can't wait. I want to eat one, so then we'll find out how to make them. Uh, Martha Collison, that is delicious.
4: Oh, thank you very much.
0: Gorgeous and crispy on the outside. Really heat in the, the sausage and then the, the runny egg. Gorgeous. So uh, talk us through how the hell you make the mystery, <laughs> the mystery that is a scotch egg.
4: The mystery of a scotch egg. So we're going to start with the eggs. Obviously the most vital part. And for this recipe, you really want to go for good eggs because they're such a hero. You want that golden yolk. So I'm using uh, number one long stock gold free range eggs. They come, they're lovely in kind of pale blue in colour. They're really pretty. Oh, wow. They go into a saucepan, and you need to make sure you're timing this, because to get the runniness, it's just about the five minutes on the dot. So the eggs go into the water, set your timer for five minutes, get them out, plunge them into cold water, and then let them cool down.
0: So the water's boiling. Yes. You put them in, five minutes, boom, done, out, cold water. Just like
4: you're making a boiled egg. Okay. And then the trickiest bit of this, I would say, is peeling the eggs to get yourself the special soft boil because they're very soft because obviously we want them to be runny and yeah. they're going to be cooked again in the deep fryer so they're a little little delicate but i find the best way to do this is to just really gently tap them on a work surface and then peel them under running water because the water kind of helps just ease off the yes. shells. and then you won't be left with any little gritty bits put them to one side then we're going to move on to the sausage meat mixture so okay. you want a big slab of waitrose pork sausage meat and then i'm using this your paste i when i was testing out different recipes and different variations. I tried a couple, but I found because you've got so much richness from the yolk and the deep-fried crispy coating, you kind of need something that cuts through that. So spice is perfect for that kind of thing. So and andduya is like a spicy Calabrian sausage paste. So a bit of that goes in with the sausage meat, some fresh herbs, a bit of mustard, black pepper, a bit of salt. Mix it all together, get your hands in there to get a really good distribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we are dividing that into little balls, pressing them out, roll the eggs in flour and then kind of fold up the sausage meat around the egg to encase it. Yeah. You're looking... <laughs> well, concerned. I'm
0: just thinking that sounds simpler said than done, but, yeah, go, go on. You keep going. <laughs> Using cling
4: film is really helpful because okay. it kind of keeps your hands from getting really sticky. That's clever so idea. Right? Yep. press it out in cling film. Use the cling film to kind of come up around the egg. Then once you've got six little walls covered in sausage meat, we are going to breadcrumb them. So this is the most faffy part because you've got three bowls, one with flour, one with egg, one with breadcrumbs. Okay. You're going to go into the flour, into the egg, into the breadcrumbs, back into the egg, into the breadcrumbs again to get that proper intense coating. Oh. Okay. Otherwise, you might get little pockets of sausage meat that are kind of spurt out during your frying yeah, yeah
0: yeah okay not
4: the ideal once you've done that with all of them they're going to be deep fried for about 10 minutes that long yeah they need a, a long-ish time because of the sausage but you want it to be properly cooked
0: oh, oh, oh yes yeah. Graham, Graham says <laughs> oh I've just wolfed one down I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm okay don't
4: worry they had 10 minutes okay good good, they good also work I did test this out as well in an air fryer so if you don't like deep frying they don't come out quite as perfectly crisp and unctuous, But if you just give them a little spritz with olive oil or something before they go into the air fryer, they take about 12 minutes in the air fryer and they'll be crispy enough. They might split out, but they, they work. The egg stays runny little bit healthier
0: okay mm-hmm. that's a good tip uh, if you'd like that recipe it is of course available on the waitrose hub waitrose.com slash show chef you can get the recipe of the best scotch eggs uh martha collison's own recipe uh, there you go uh <laughs> and indeed all of Martha's recipes are on there and you can also check out the recipe on our socials you can see those beautiful yolks i mean it does look like you put food coloring in it's extraordinary <laughs> At Virgin Radio UK. Uh, Let's just remind everyone: we had a load of entries from yesterday, but the cutoff point for entering to win you and your summer tour, arriving at somebody's house, the cutoff is the end of the show today. So you've only got, what is that, only a little over half an hour. So uh, tell them what they can win and how they do it.
4: Yeah, get, get your best tip in. We're doing outdoor eating next Saturday, so we could be at your front door <laughs> with a barbecue in tow, all of the stuff you need, all the food to feed you and your family. And
0: you win it all. You win the barbecue, you win the... Whatever whatever mm. a, equipment is being used, you win. Exactly. of John Lewis and Waitrose.
4: Exactly. It's a, great, it's a great prize. It'll set you up so well for summer as well. If you're getting that now... You've got the whole summer of barbecue going ahead of you. Big
0: pile of food. So we just want your top tip for outdoor eating. And you go to virginradio.co.uk slash win. Right? That's it. That is it. correct. Do that there. Do... And you've got till 12.30 if you want to enter. And then Martha could be in your house next weekend. And you'll be chatting on the radio. And when she leaves, everything she didn't use is there. You don't do the washing up either, I believe.
4: <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bye
0: oh my taxis here bye uh, thank you so much Martha I look forward to hearing wherever you are next weekend I'll chat to you then true. Thank you so much for listening. Catch us again every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30. And make sure you're following us at Virgin Radio UK on all socials. Also, check out full guest interviews on our YouTube channel at Virgin Radio UK. Catch you next time. The
3: Graham Norton Radio Show. With Waitrose. Food to feel good about.
1: Virgin Radio.